During pregnancy, I think one of the things we want to do is just educate women proactively on what can they do. So how do you modify your exercises so that you aren't weakening your pelvic floor or your abdominals more than what's necessary? Hey ladies, you're listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. No matter where you're at in your mom and journey, we've got you covered. Each week we share insightful interviews from experts to everyday moms covering all aspects of motherhood. Really, no topic is off the table. You'll find honest conversations that help accomplish one key issue, getting rid of mom shaming. So if you want a judgment-free, open conversation, buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. This is Mom Talks with Krista. You're listening to episode number 102 of the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. I hope you're having a great week so far. I am so excited you're here. I have lots of exciting announcements this week. We have Dr. Sarah Reardon, the pelvic floor physical therapist, also known as the Vagina Whisperer on Instagram, on our episode today. And I cannot wait for you to listen to her. She is so knowledgeable and talking about so many things that we should like grow up talking about, but we just don't. So I'm going to get to her episode in just a little bit. But like I said, I have two very exciting announcements that I cannot wait to share with you guys. So first of all, I'm excited to announce the release of our brand new lactation cookie bites. Put them right here. These have been a long work in progress. If you've been following us for a while, you know we had ready to eat cookies a while back. We kind of re-engineered them and made them more accessible for moms on the go to take wherever they wherever they want to go their mini bites they're delicious with coffee you can dunk them in your coffee we want to hear from you what you think about them so as a special to this group people that have been following us and really excited about our products you can now get 20% off at mommyknowsbest.com we also put the link in the show notes as well i am so excited for you guys to try these out man it's been really tough holding the secret in cuz i know so many of you moms are excited And you don't always have the time to sit and bake and I should say stand and bake, but you don't always have the time to bake. And, you know, just the convenience of having a ready to eat cookie bite is what you need. So I cannot wait for you guys to try them out. Remember, it's 20% off for a very limited time on our website. So that is the first announcement. Okay. And now time for announcement number two. And to be completely honest with you, I wanted to do this way more creatively. You know, you think of all these ideas, probably you can tell everyone, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm excited to announce that I am pregnant. Actually, as of today, filming day, I'm 17 weeks. By the time this episode comes out, I will be 18 weeks. Um, So I'm so excited to kind of be pregnant along a lot of you guys that are in the group and ask my questions too. talk with you guys, share my experience. Yeah. There's just so much. I just cannot wait. It's just, I feel so lucky to be a part of this group already. Be talking with so many of you moms. So it's a really exciting time on so many fronts that I cannot wait to share with you guys. And I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the coming weeks and all all that good stuff. Okay, next, just a reminder, we will not be having a peanut pod next week. I know they're normally the first and third Thursday of every month, but we will not be having it next week, but they will continue in November. First one starting November 3rd. And this one, we're going to talk... Yes, we're going to talk about boundaries like we have kind of talked about before and setting boundaries, but it's going to be more about difficult relationships. We see a lot um, in our Facebook group about maintaining relationships once you're pregnant or um, once you're a new mom, how things kind of shift and change. 
Uh, maybe someone that was kind of toxic before is getting worse. And how do I set boundaries with that person if they're blood related and, and how friendships can change um, and how to kind of ask yourself, what relationships do you want to keep? What do you want to kind of maybe alter a little bit or what do you want to cut out completely? So we're going to talk about that in our next peanut pod. If you're not a part of my peanut pod group, it's called Mom Talks with Krista. The link is in the show notes. So you can join that group anytime and get announcements. Of course, if you're not already in our Facebook group, I would love to have you guys join our Facebook group. Um, we have over 31,000 moms in it, which is crazy to say out loud. Uh, so this is our private group. We have open judgment-free discussions around the clock. So you could literally wake up in the middle of the night and say, this is bracing my mind, what I need to know this answer right now. You can ask, and there's going to be other moms there ready to respond to you. Um, we also post regularly every single day just to kind of get conversation going on different topics to show that we're in this together. And I'm in this with you guys. I would love to see you in the group. So click the link in the show notes and hopefully I'll see you in the group soon. All right, guys, like I said, we are on to today's episode with Dr. Sarah Reardon. All right, guys, today's interview is all about pelvic floor health. We have Dr. Sarah Reardon here, who is a pelvic floor physical therapist, also known as the vagina whisperer on Instagram. She shares the most informational and funny reels that I think everyone should see and just helpful information for everyone. We talk about what it means to have a tense or a weakened pelvic floor. And she shares how that could happen, first of all, and second of all, how you can help those situations, whether you are currently pregnant or you're postpartum, or you're currently trying to conceive just how your pelvic floor kind of connects to all different areas even breastfeeding. This one really shocked me. So this is just a great episode and I cannot wait for you guys to listen to it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Sarah Reardon. Enjoy. So first before we get started, can you just kind of say uh, a little bit about yourself and then like what you do and we'll kind of go, go from there. Um, well, my name is Sarah Reardon. I am a doctor of physical therapy and pelvic floor specialist for 15 years. I currently live in New Orleans and I have a small private practice here where we see pelvic health patients with bladder and bowel issues and a lot of pregnancy and postpartum. And then I also have an online platform called the Vagina Whisper, which has a lot of exercises and education for women all across the lifespan, mainly pregnancy and postpartum though, because we see a lot of physical changes during that time in our life. And I have two little boys who are five and seven as well. Awesome. Love that. And like, like you said, like so many moms have questions about how their bodies are changing and what they can do for themselves, because I think it used to kind of be like, well, you had a baby. So that's it. You know, there's nothing you can do. So I love that there's so much work out there now informing moms of like, no, you do have control. Here are some of the things you can do to help with certain areas. I'm curious, like how you got into the work you do and what kind of transpired from there. So, you know, I went to physical therapy school, like most physical therapists do, and they were all physical therapists. And I thought I was going to be a sports physical therapist and come back to New Orleans and work for the New Orleans Saints football team. And, um, but in my schooling at Washington University in St. Louis, I had a professor who did women's health and pelvic floor therapy. And I just thought it was really interesting to start to learn more about my own body as a woman, how it changes. And so I did a kind of residency rotation in that while I was in graduate school. And this was 15 years ago when if you started talking about the pelvic floor, people almost kind of were like, oh, that's 
sounds really weird and would scoot like two chairs away from me. And, um, but during the rotation, I just really loved working with patients who didn't know where to get help for something. And then they were finally able to get it and it really changed their quality of life. And I also think that there's, I was just really attracted to prevention. I really felt like, gosh, if, you know, so many people are going through this, what can we do to prevent some of these issues instead of feeling like we're always seeing people after the problems occur? And so I jumped right into pelvic floor therapy after graduate school 15 years ago. And then it's all that I've done since then. So for those listening that are like, oh, I don't know if I need to worry about my pelvic floor. Like, what does that really mean? Like, can you kind of describe like what it all kind of entails? Cause I think like, it's this kind of, unless you hear about it from someone, it's kind of this unspoken thing. Like you don't go to the doctor and they're like, you know, your regular checkup, you know, talk about your pelvic floor. So what is it like, what does it affect and how does it kind of coincide with everything else in your body? Absolutely. And I think that that's part of the the challenge is that nobody's really talking about the pelvic floor, but everyone has one, all bodies. And it's important for, it's, it's important for so many functions in our day-to-day life. So when we talk about the pelvic floor, we're all probably familiar a little bit with what the pelvis looks like, kind of these bones that sit at the base of our spine. And um, at the very bottom of those bones is a basket of muscles that attach from your pubic bone to your front, to your tailbone in the back and side to side. And they kind of sit like a hammock or a basket. That muscle in the female body has three openings, one for where urine exits, one for where poop exits, and then one for vaginal intercourse or vaginal birth or menstruation. And so this muscle plays a role in reproductive health and menstrual health and bowel and bladder health. It also plays a role in support because all of your pelvic organs rest inside of that basket. So your bladder, your bowels, your uterus, your ovaries. And so if this muscle isn't working well or isn't strong enough, you can often have weakness in the muscle, which can lead to leaking of urine or poop or pelvic organ prolapse. Um, And it definitely, you know, it gets lengthened and stretched out during pregnancy and it doesn't just kind of bounce back after giving birth. Mm -hmm. It, It really needs to be actively rehabbed just like any other muscle in your body after it's been weakened. So I think that that's where we really see it play a role in pregnancy and postpartum health for women. Other than pregnancy, I know we're going to get to definitely pregnancy and um, mother's bodies. Other than that, are there other things like throughout your life that can kind of affect your pelvic floor or weaken it over time? Absolutely. So if we even think about a young woman who may be menstruating for the first time, um, you know, we talk about weakness a lot for the pelvic floor and that everybody should do their Kegels, which is not necessarily the case. But these muscles can also be really tight and tense, like any other muscle in your body. And so for a young woman who may be trying to insert a tampon for the first time or have sexual activity or have a pelvic examination, if that experience is painful for them, it could be pelvic floor muscle tension that could be playing a role. Mm -hmm. Um, We often see it later in life as well when someone's hormones are changing through menopause or even different types of birth control those muscles can become weak and thin and cause either pain and or leakage. So, you know, we really see it all across the lifespan of a woman's life that these muscles play a super important role and can be affected. Okay. It's so interesting because yeah, like I said, like you, you don't hear about it a lot. And so I think it's important for people to know that, you know, no matter which kind of direction their journey is in, like it could you know, play a role in their life for sure, understanding their pelvic floor. And I think one of the reasons 
we don't hear about it a lot, or we're starting just to hear about it more often is because these are really intimate issues like Mm -hmm. sexual activity, menstruation, peeing and pooping. They're really kind of private, intimate issues that are a little bit embarrassing to talk about. And if something is wrong in that arena, we don't even know who to see for help. Like, do you go to your doctor? Do you go to your primary care? Do you go to an OB or gynecologist? And you know, then we kind of hear the narrative that a lot of people feel like it's normal to have these problems. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of it is just, it's been a very, um, these are been kind of hush-hush topics, but now that we're starting to talk more openly about them and normalize the conversation, we don't have to just normalize the problem and think that these are just kind of normal parts of being a, a woman. Right. So talking back to like pregnancy and, you know, it can really weaken your pelvic floor. So if like, you know, a mom doesn't address these kind of issues or kind of work on strengthening the pelvic floor, what can kind of come from it over time? Right. So, you know, just during pregnancy or itself, our body changes so much. Your ligaments are softening so that your pelvis can expand. Your abdominal wall is um, lengthening so that it can accommodate a growing baby. So just pregnancy itself, if we were just to kind of sit back and let it happen, your body's going to go through some changes. Um, And that can just lead to little things too, like sciatica or back pain or a condition during pregnancy called diastasis recti when your abdominal wall um, starts to kind of separate a little bit and you get a little um, pouch or it looks like a football or dome in the midline of your Mm -hmm. abdomen. So, you know, these things can happen and physical therapy can actually help with that um, as well. But you know, during pregnancy, I think one of the things we want to do is just educate women proactively on what can they do. So how do you modify your exercises so that you aren't weakening your pelvic floor or your abdominals more than what's necessary? You know, maybe holding off crunches and doing some other core work. How do you manage constipation, which is super common during pregnancy? So you're not straining and and getting hemorrhoids or fissures so and weakening your pelvic floor. So what can we do to teach you how to poop optimally? Um, if you start leaking during pregnancy, should you just deal with it or should you start strengthening? Because leakage, if it happens during pregnancy, it's likely to persist afterwards. So a lot of it is just education on what can we do to prevent some of these issues and, you know, encouraging moms to work with a physical therapist during pregnancy for aches and pains, but also just kind of, you know, the pregnancy changes itself and then really preparing for birth. I think I always say pregnancy is like running a marathon and then giving birth is like a two day sprint at the end. How can we teach moms how to breathe or position their bodies during, during birth so that again, there's minimal effects um, to the pelvic floor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you could like breathe or be positioned different to affect that. And I think that's, that's such an amazing thing that I feel like more people should know about because it really affects so many parts. Right. It does. And I mean, and then afterwards, I mean, I think you know, postpartum's hard. That's when we're really like, we're physically exhausted, we're sleep deprived, we're, you know, concerned about breastfeeding or lactating. And then we have another human life to take care of, you know? So I think if we can really set moms up to feel empowered and and educated going into birth, um, the research clearly shows that's what gives moms more birth satisfaction. It's not did they have a C-section? Did they have a vaginal birth? It's really them feeling empowered in the birth process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then we can have better outcomes and then feel like we can be, you know, more present moms because we're not 
we're healing better than we would have been if we hadn't had that education. Mm. And so you mentioned like, it's not necessarily just doing Kegels. You know, we hear like, do your Kegels strengthen it? So what are some things that women can do, whether it's before they're pregnant, during pregnancy or postpartum that that they can do to strengthen that? I think it's three things. I think one, you kind of want to figure out do I have weakness or do I have tension? And some people are kind of neutral and have no problems at all. So typically things that would present with weaknesses like urinary leakage, pelvic organ prolapse, having a difficult time making it to the bathroom in time, those would be typically more weakness issues, not all of the time, but most of the time. Um, Kind of the tension portion would be things like painful intercourse, tailbone pain, hip pain, back pain, difficult times starting your urine stream or emptying your bladder, straining with bowel movements or constipation. Those are all tension related issues. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to see like which avenue do I need to go down? If it's strengthening, yeah, Kegel contractions are great, but you can't just kind of do Kegels in the carpal lane. <laughs> you you want to do longer hold Kegel contractions that are five to 10 seconds long to work kind of the endurance portion of the muscle. You want to do Kegels in different positions. So not just sitting, but do them during standing and walking when you need the muscle to work. And then you want to integrate these Kegel contractions into exercise and day-to-day life. So when you're doing squats or lunges or push-ups or lifting weights, you need to turn that muscle on. If it's more of the kind of tension arena, you'd want to work more on relaxation. So that may be changing postures, like not sitting with your legs crossed so much or not tensing your butt throughout the day, Um, working on just doing some belly breathing to kind of soften your body. And then some stretches like child's pose or a deep squat or kind of a figure four stretch, different stretches that can lengthen and soften the hips and pelvic floor. So it's not so tight and tense all the time. Oh, great. This podcast is sponsored by Mommy Knows Best. Are you looking for a lactation cookie that's not only effective, but tastes good? Mommy Knows Best offers an assortment of lactation cookies, brownies, and our newest ready-to-eat lactation cookies. Perfect for on-the-go moms. We offer six different flavors, including a dairy and gluten-free option. And let me tell you guys, you would not even know it's dairy and gluten-free unless someone told you. It's it's so good. Mommy Knows Best empowers all moms with the tools and resources necessary to give your newborn the best start in life. With an assortment of lactation treats and supplements that contain all natural herbal remedies, traditionally and effectively used for generations to treat low milk supply. Whether you're a new mom or a pro, Mommy Knows Best gives you plenty of options, all of which are created with the health and safety of both baby and mom in mind. Right now, Mommy Knows Best is offering 20% off when you use the code MOMTALKS at mommyknowsbest.com. That's M-O-M-T-A-L-K-S for 20% off. And so you talk about the tension, tension pelvic floor, a more tense one. So what is that? typically caused by, or just some people just have that or yeah, what are kind of the causes? I mean, just like we would have a tense muscle in any other part of our body. Like I, you know, work on patients a lot. I'm sitting at my computer. I'm looking at my phone too often Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of neck and shoulder pain and that gives me headaches. Well, it's very similar for someone who has tension. They just in their pelvic floor, the hips and the pelvis are just where they hold their tension. Mm -hmm. It could be from postures like Um, the way that they sit, if they sit slouched a lot, if they cross their legs a lot, if they are kind of 
anxious or tense, which as mothers, we all are, a lot of the time, they may be gripping and kind of holding their tush a lot. Other things like injury or trauma, if they've had a fall, a, a fall into their tailbone, if they've had birth trauma, um, they may have some scar tissue at the perineum. You know, so there's different things that they may have hip pain or piriformis pain. So just different things that may just contribute, you know, day to day, that this is just where they hold the tension in their bodies. Okay. And so you talk about a perineal massage. I've seen, I've seen you talk about that on your page. Is that for a more tense pelvic floor or is that? So we teach perineal massage um, in a couple of different circumstances. So we actually educate moms to do it during pregnancy. The research has been shown if you started around 34 weeks of pregnancy, it can help minimize the risk of more severe tearing it can minimize pain after giving birth. Um, so, and just kind of help people get in touch with their bodies to know kind of what this muscle is. So we teach it during pregnancy um, towards the latter half of third trimester. And then if someone does have a perineal tear, um, which almost 85% of vaginal birth result in some sort of that, you know, perineal tear, or if they had an episiotomy, which is a cut by the medical provider during birth, you know, scar tissue just doesn't heal back to the way that their previous tissue did. So sometimes it can feel stuck tight, like it's ripping a little bit. So perineal massage can be practiced postpartum if you've had a tear to help soften that tissue Mm -hmm. to just give it a little bit more stretch. So it doesn't feel like something's kind of hitting a wall or tearing methavaginal opening. Okay. Another thing I see you talk about, I'm sorry, I have like so many questions for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What is an overactive pelvic floor and what is this caused by? So an overactive pelvic floor is the same thing as a tense pelvic floor. So we think about tension, pelvic floor tightness, overactivity. Those are all kind of in the tense, tight pelvic floor arena. If we talk about underactive, weak, lengthened, that's kind of in the more weak, you know, the weakness arena for the pelvic floor. So the overactive is the same thing. Like it's not relaxing well for sex or bowel movements or birth or urination, or they just, somebody has vaginal pain or or rectal pain or something like that. Okay. Okay. So just kind of different terminology, I guess. Okay. You know, that's so interesting. And so you also talk about how lactation and breastfeeding is tied over to pelvic floor health. And so I'm so curious about this as, you know, we're a breastfeeding lactation company. And so I just kind of was so interested about the connection between all of those. Yeah. And I think this is, it's a great question, Kristen. I really feel like this is something that people don't talk a lot about. And I think it's information that's really important for moms to know, because we are we're kind of like, wait, is this normal? What is this? Like, why is this happening? So when you were breastfeeding or lactating, we want higher prolactin levels. That's a hormone in your body that helps with breast milk production. In order to have higher prolactin levels, you have lower estrogen levels. So they kind of work in the opposite directions. Mm -hmm. When you have lower estrogen levels, you don't get your menstrual cycle. That's why we don't get our periods after giving birth. Oftentimes, if we're breastfeeding or lactating for a long time, but you um, lower estrogen levels, they delay your period. They also decrease sexual desire, which is oftentimes when we don't have any kind of, you know, libido or sexual desire afterwards, along with a variety of other things. (laughs) But it also causes dry vaginal tissues and vaginal thinning of the tissue. Mm -hmm. So if you feel dry, itchy, if you feel like you can't get lubricated for intercourse or even inserting a tampon or something into the vagina feels like really dry and irritated, it's often because your estrogen levels are low. So one of the things are, you know, we educate moms is like, this is why it's happening. 
the things you can do for that are making sure you're staying hydrated. Obviously, if you're breastfeeding or lactating, you want to make sure you have plenty of hydration. You can use a natural, all natural moisturizer on the tissues like coconut oil, vitamin E oil. There's a lot of really great products out there that are all natural. Um, You don't want to put anything synthetic or kind of um, that has chemicals on the area. And then some people also go to their medical providers who prescribe topical estrogen. So it's like an estrogen cream. The tricky part with estrogen is that it can affect your milk supply. So again, if you start putting your estrogen on your body, your prolactin levels can start to decrease and that can affect your milk supply. It doesn't happen to everyone, but I just give people the heads up. It may happen. So just Mm -hmm. to kind of be aware of that as a side effect, but it gets better. The further out you get from breastfeeding, the further out you get from birth, your estrogen levels will start to increase again and you'll start having more natural lubrication. Okay. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, I've never heard that brought up before. And you know, there's always, we get a lot of people reaching out about their milk supply and you know, we've, there's a whole list of things that can affect your milk supply. So I think that's so important what you just said to kind of be aware of that, you know, as a reason that maybe their milk supply is affected or. And it's, you know, the milk, it's such a stressful thing for a mom, you know? And so if they're on a birth control that has hormones in it, if they have an IUD that has hormones, if they're using topical estrogen, um, I think that these are all things to worth looking at, but there are so many reasons that milk supply can be affected. You know, vaginal dryness can present, even if you're on birth control and you're not pregnant, um, if you're going into menopause, vaginal dryness can occur all because of those changes in our hormone levels. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about, or you shared different ways for, um, if you have a weakened pelvic floor or you have a tense pelvic floor. So for people that are maybe like in the middle kind of, or maybe they have like, I'm not sure if this is a thing or not. So like, you know, if you're more in the middle, but can you have like certain like factors, like maybe like one week you're more weakened or one week you're more tense. So what's kind of like the regular upkeep? Is there something that women or men too should be doing regularly to kind of help with their pelvic floor? Uh, That's a great question. And I think that, um, one, I think you kind of want to know what your normal is. So what's normal to pee is every two to four hours during the day and zero to two times at night. If you're going more frequently than that or less frequently than that, you you might want to look into why. It could be your pelvic floor. It could be hydration levels. If you're, when you pee, you have a hard time starting your stream. If you feel like you're not emptying well or you have to push to empty, again, those are things you want to be aware of. For pooping, what's normal to go is three times a day to three times a week. If you have a history of constipation, hemorrhoids, fissures, those are all kind of like little red flags that you'd be like, oh, I might want to get my pelvic floor checked out. Things that are not normal, painful sex, painful tampon insertion, or pelvic pain um, with pelvic exams, pain with sitting, comfort wearing pants or underwear, all of those are not normal. So those are all, again, signs that like, I should probably check in with my pelvic floor. The other things are just kind of preventive measures, preventative measures. Like when you pee, I teach everybody how to pee and how to poop because nobody teaches us <laughs> and doing it incorrectly could actually lead to issues. So mm-hmm. for peeing, I'm like, sit down on the toilet, try not to hover. I know that there are some like yucky bathrooms out there, but <laughs> try not to hover over the toilet, wipe it down, sit, um, and then just breathe. Don't, I call it power peeing where moms like push all their pee out because we're in such a hurry and we're notorious for that. But you really want to just sit, breathe, and your bladder will push the urine out for you. If you're pushing, it actually puts more pressure on your pelvic floor, which could weaken it over time. Mm -hmm. 
So no power peeing, sit, chill, breathe. And then if you feel like you don't empty, instead of pushing at the very end, just kind of wiggle your hips back and forth or lean forward and back and then wipe and stand up. So you don't want to push those little last couple drops out. Um, Your bladder always has a little bit of urine in it. It's never completely empty. Mm. Um, And then other things that moms do a lot, like we go to the bathroom just in case, like every time we leave the house or every time we get somewhere new, because we don't want to be without a a bathroom. So (laughs) really go to the bathroom when you have the urge to go. Don't wait. Like if you have to pee, pee. But if you're like just going all the time, just in case, because you don't want to be, you're worried about leaking or something, you really should wait until you have the urge to go, which should be between that two to four hour mark. And no amount of leakage is normal. Like mm-hmm. nothing with coughing, sneezing. So um, if that's the case, check in with the PT. For pooping, um, I tell everybody to make sure their poop is super soft. It shouldn't be like hard balls. It should be soft, almost like peanut butter. And then I recommend everybody get this thing called a squatty potty, which is like a little Mm -hmm. stool they put under your feet. Mm -hmm. Um, And it puts you in more of a squatting position for pooping, which helps relax your bottom. And then I say, don't hold your breath when you poop. You should be blowing out like you're blowing out candles or, you know, blowing through a straw that helps your pelvic floor relax without um, weakening your pelvic floor. So literally just these kind of simple tips could help prevent some issues so that we, you know, we don't do things that could make our pelvic floor weaker over time. Wow. I'm so glad you said the thing about peeing just when we have like, we're like, we're going to go somewhere. Cause that's me. I'm such like an anxious, like I go to the bathroom. Like if, because of, if I'm about to go somewhere, I'm like, I don't want to be in the car and have to go or get to someone's house. I have to go right away. Right. So I want to be more in, my, in uh, mind with that. I keep that yeah. in mind as well. And you're not alone. So many people do that, but what happens is that your bladder will like kind of shrink over time. And then, then you have to go 30 minutes, 45 minutes all the time, you know, cause you're not letting it kind of fully expand. So definitely just try to push those urges back a little bit, take a couple deep breaths and just kind of see if you can wait until you get to when you actually have to go. Okay. Definitely. Definitely keep that in mind. Cause I was just talking to someone about that. I'm like, I'm always that person. I'm like, Oh, I just went, but I'll just go now. Because yeah, I, don't I know <laughs> so many of us do that. What's one thing, and we kind of just talked about different ways to keep pelvic health strong, but what's one thing you wish all listeners would know about their pelvic health or know to take care about their pelvic health? You know, I think the things we just talked about, like how to properly pee, how to properly poop, um, that we have three holes down there, that no pain should be normal. I actually think if we kind of embody those things and we start practicing those as moms, we can actually teach the next generation kind of Mm -hmm. what's normal and what's not, and just give them a little bit more information about their bodies. And I feel like we had, I, you know, I, I think back to when I had my period for the first time and it was kind of traumatic. And my mom gave me like a box of tampons and a book. And she was like, good luck. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, that's it. I mean, I need help. And, and, you know, thankfully I had sisters and, but it's, um, you know, I think that if we can just start normalizing these conversations, it's going to help us. It's going to help our parents and it's going to help our, our children. I think the other thing too, is I really encourage women and moms to kind of, if they feel like something is not right in their bodies to get help for it. These issues often don't resolve by themselves. And I don't say that to scare anyone, but, you know, it may start with a couple of little leaks and then it gets to be like, you have to wear a liner all the time and then you can't run. And 50% of women over the age of 65 have urinary leakage. And I just Mm -hmm. feel like I don't want it to be my destiny to end up in a diaper when I'm older. I feel like why, 
why should that be? There's so much we can do to really at least try to prevent some of these issues. So, you know, if you feel like something's not right, be your own advocate, meet with the pelvic PT, meet with your medical provider, try some of these online programs to help because, you know, you only get one pelvic floor. And so we just really want to take the best care of it that we can. Yeah. No, I love that because I, I just feel like we're getting in this new area where we're, we're sharing about all these things that maybe our parents' generation didn't hear about or didn't share about because they didn't know. And so I'm loving this new kind of generation kind of we're in that we're like, okay, we can change all this if we just talk about it more. And I think women are becoming, obviously there's still like a lot of us that need to learn a little bit more, but I think we're becoming more comfortable talking about like, okay, this doesn't feel right. Or I want to make a change here. Um, kind of acknowledging, like, trust your gut kind of thing about. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to advocate for yourself. I think that it's one of the reasons I started the vagina whisper on Instagram was I was going through pregnancy and giving birth. And I'm like, wow, I know all of this information and it's still really hard. Like Mm -hmm. I still feel like I'm having aches and pains and pelvic floor problems or having a hard time talking to my doctor about what I want to do for birth. And so I just really think that it it can kind of give us just a little bit of a bump or, or some courage to help kind of advocate for ourselves. And And they tell people like, we're here when you need us. Like the time has to be right. I didn't go start doing pelvic floor therapy for myself until I was 18 months postpartum because I was just Mm -hmm. in the weeds. So, you know, don't be hard on yourself if the time isn't right six weeks postpartum. Like we will meet you where you're at. And then when you're ready to kind of start taking this on, it literally can be like, 10 minutes, a couple times a week, that's all the exercise you have to do. But you know, it's enough to kind of start folding it into your, your life when you feel ready. Amazing. I love that. And I always like to end our interviews with, um, a fun thinking question. So if you could have a billboard made today, we could share one tip with moms everywhere. What would you have it say? This is such a fun one. And I think I said it, I will always just, I will say, just say no to power peeing. Because <laughs> I love it. It's like we do it, we don't need to do it, don't do it. So just say no to power peeing and you know who you are out there. So yes, yes. I love that because you know I ask everyone these questions and and they're always so unique and different, but everyone's but they're all around the same. So I love that this is just yes, like this is powerful. And I think that would make heads really turn and pay attention um, if, they were, if they were to see it on something. Awesome. And where can everyone follow you, find your content and all that good stuff? Awesome. So I am on Instagram as um, the.vagina.whisperer and on TikTok at the Vag Whisperer. I'm not as active on TikTok. I just kind of had to pick one social media outlet and that's yeah. not the one that I picked. But um, And then I have an online platform, again, for exercise during pregnancy, postpartum, even for kind of overactive or tense pelvic floors. And the, um, the website is thevaginawhisperer.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on this. This is just like an eye-opening conversation. I feel like there's so many women out there that have questions about this or didn't know they had questions about it. But once they hear about this, like, okay, I need to talk to someone or see something. But so thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Thank you as well. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again for Dr. Sarah Reardon from the Vagina Whisperer for being on our podcast 
this week. Um, it was such a great discussion. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow her on Instagram at the.vagina.whisperer. She's got lots of great videos. They're both funny and informational. And I just think it's such an important topic that we don't talk about enough. And uh, yeah, we just really enjoyed having her on here. So check her out for sure. Of course, again, a reminder of our lactation cookie bites that are new and they are out. And I'm so excited for you guys to try them. Reminder, they are 20% off on our website only uh, this week for a very limited time. So take advantage of that before the uh, discount runs out. And of course, let me know what you think. Check out our Facebook group. You can let me know what you think there. You can message me on Facebook. You can email me. want to hear your thoughts on it because we are so excited. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in this week and I will see you next week for a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. For more information about this show, past shows, or to check out our YouTube channel, please see our show notes. If you loved the show, please share it with your mom tribe. The bigger, the better. Thanks for listening and have a great day.